recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112-1114 3rd Street, Northeast Side. We are steps to Noma Gallaudet Metro. A nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jog to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. So, we have with us today the lovely Miss Adriana Domenico. And she chose this song right here by what's the name of the group? Lake Street Dive. Okay. And what's the name of the song? You Go Down Smooth. Okay. Why'd you pick this one? I love this band. This is my favorite band of all time. Of all time? Yeah. How long have they been around? Oh, they've been around about 15 years. Okay. Maybe more. All right. Mm-hmm. And ha- are they based in Colorado? They're actually from Boston. Oh, from Boston. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. you started listening to them before you moved out west. No, no. I just discovered them a couple years ago. Really? <laughs> wow. That's like kismet because you're a Boston native and you found out about them over there and everything. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So you were living in Boston pretty much until you went to college, right? Yep. Exactly. Okay. And where'd you go to school? I went to CU Boulder. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, what'd you study there? Well, I actually was only there for a year, and then I dropped out and went to herb school. Herb school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is herb school? It's herbal. It's a... So the school I went to is a certified clinical herbalism school where they train you to um, educate folks on herbal education in a clinical setting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I asked you this earlier, uh, herbal... A certi- you're a certified herbalist. Does that have anything to do with marijuana? Nothing. Okay. Mm-mm. So uh, what are some herbs that you, you use so that you kind of ward off sickness? Well, when I'm traveling, I always carry a few tinctures every single time. I carry something called intestinal soother, which is for stomach bugs. Because okay. you never know when that's going to happen when you're traveling. That's true. Um, I carry mushroom extracts and spray those in my mouth especially when you're flying on the plane and there's germs everywhere so it's there's one called myco shield and i always have that one in my bag when i'm traveling um you said there's something like an alcohol extract or something so all of these are extracted in alcohol okay you can get them extracted in other ways but alcohol is the most efficient okay way of taking them out you can also drink herbal teas but when i'm traveling taking them in tincture form is small and easy to travel with and when you're saying tincture form that's like little small bottle yep and Mm -hmm. it has a rubber dropper top yeah Mm -hmm. okay and something i just also learned from her is that you can actually steep some tea in time and uh that also is good for warding off bacteria yeah uh, germs time is a great antibacterial really nice one to put in teas when you're sick when you have a cough when you have an itchy throat and it doesn't have to be fresh either. It, it can be dried or fresh. Yep. Can use. Mm-hmm. Cool. You've been with us now for what? Three nights? Yeah, this is my third night. Okay. What brought mm-hmm. you out here? Uh, Work. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what work do you do? I work for Trail Fork. It's a backpacking meal company based out of Colorado. Okay. And 
my job on this trip was to visit REIs in the DC area and introduce folks to the product. So I was in Maryland yesterday, I was in DC yesterday, and today I was in Virginia all day. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you, the REI in, Mar- in DC that you were doing is the one that's literally right around yes. the corner? Yes, so convenient. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Uh, did you happen to check out the store at all too? Um, I didn't really get a chance to walk around, but from where I was, I got a pretty good view and that store is super cool. So you've pretty <laughs> much seen a lot of REIs across the country. Yes. How does that one compare? Definitely the coolest REI. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe there's a there's a flagship. So that's a flagship REI. Yeah. And I believe there's mm-hmm. a flagship uh, REI in Denver as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That one's pretty cool too. Okay. So mm-hmm. what what's special about the one in Denver? Because I know they do something specific in each flagship REI to to like the area. Yeah. So I know the one in Denver has a rock climbing wall, and it's built in an old railroad station. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it must be pretty big. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. I've only been there once, so I'm having trouble remembering it. But yeah. So you live in Colorado. Yep. Um, and you live close to Boulder, but not in Boulder. Correct. I live in the mountains west of Boulder. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how many feet above sea level is this? I live nine thousand feet above sea level. Nine thousand. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's closer to two miles than not. <laughs> um. So we actually went running yesterday around the Capitol. It was actually a, a nice day despite um, it being wintertime. And uh, she was definitely, by the end of the run, she was not winded at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's so used to the thin air. Uh, do you do a lot of, uh, I guess, running or hiking in the mountains up there? Yes, any chance I can. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the trails that you hike? Uh, there's a region about 10 miles away from my house, and it's called the Indian Peaks Wilderness. Um, so all the mountains that you see kind of connect to the continental divide. So the Indian peaks range is on the continental divide and you can just do so many hikes and get up to 12, 13, 14,000 feet, um, in anywhere from five to 15 miles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I believe I told you before that we had somebody, the clinical rehabilitation specialist, she had hiked the entirety of the, uh, Appalachian Trail. Oh, cool. Are there any comparable length hikes in the Rockies like that? Oh, yeah. The Colorado Trail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that thing is like 2,000 miles or something? Oh, I don't know how many miles it is. But I think it takes about a month to backpack it. Oh, wow. And it's all like hilly and all yeah. through like, mm-hmm. different levels of terrain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you allowed to start a campfire out there? Uh, if there isn't a fire ban, okay. but most of the time there's a fire ban. Okay. And yeah. how are they with pets? You know, I don't know, but I just got a dog, so I'll probably be figuring that out really soon. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to learn that there's some areas of the Appalachian Trail where pets aren't allowed. Yeah. Yeah, there are some trails out west, too, where you can't bring a dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what else do you do? You, you, you chop wood. Yep. So we have our second lady on the podcast who can chop wood. <laughs> I, I think this is just amazing. I, I still am unable to do it, but you know, one day, one day I will. Um, how long did it take you before you 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 split your first piece of wood? Oh, I remember it being really, really hard, and I was so sore the next day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was actually I chopped wood in Maine, 
In Maine? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is before you moved out west. No, um, I was apprenticing for a seaweed uh, harvesting company in Maine about five years ago, and one of the jobs was to chop wood. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it's seaweed harvesting, and once you went through your apprenticeship, you would then be, I guess, certified to harvest seaweed? Oh, no, it wasn't it wasn't an apprenticeship really where I got certified for anything. Okay. I kind of just was hired on to It was more of a work it was more of a job than an apprenticeship gotcha. actually. Okay. Mhm. Cool. Yeah. And so what did that company do? So they harvest seaweed off the coast of Maine. And the seaweed is then used for like food or yeah. is it used for any sort of other commercial purpose? Food or fertilizer okay. are the two main things. Mhm. Now, is the seaweed there a specific type that I just was watching a uh, I was watching a, a Netflix special called Salt, Fat, Heat, and oh, Acid. Yes, mm-hmm. and the lady was talking about in I think Japan. Mm-hmm. There is some seaweed that you can get that when you steep it, the salt that comes out of there is like the greatest salt in the history of the world. Yeah, I remember that episode. So, were were you all doing something similar to that? No, the this seaweed there. There's three or four different varieties of seaweed that grow off of that bay uh, where this company is. And uh, it was really just used for, just dried. So you'd hang all the seaweed in a greenhouse looking structure and then just have a wood fire going and going and going and you'd dry the seaweed and then chop it and package it. Right. Mm -hmm. Was this uh, the company that you were telling me about on your jog where somebody who used to work... uh in dc or was from dc no um my former boss uh for the last five and a half years because i just left another job that i was with for five and a half years her dad was a civil rights lawyer in dc back in the 70s and 80s that's awesome Mm -hmm. so currently you're with trail fork Mm -hmm. and you'd done a seaweed you worked with a seaweed harvesting company and in between that, you said there was another company you were working with. Rebecca's Apothecary. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what did they do? So we're a, an herbal apothecary, which means that we're a shop. So we're a retail store. And um, what kind of set us apart was that all of us staff that were hired on to work on the floor are certified clinical herbalists. So anybody who walks into the store can ask a question and chat with a certified clinical herbalist. All right. So we were there in addition to working for Rebecca's apothecary and selling products and things. We were also there to give herbal education to the public. So folks would come in with stomach aches, skin problems, hormonal issues, a cold, and we'd make up a tea or we'd recommend something else. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as a certified herbal specialist, uh, what are things regarding herbs that you think all people should know? Uh, less is more. <laughs> in terms of what you put into something? Or, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they can help you in so many ways from the simplest to the most complex. Okay. Yes. And all there right. are a lot. <laughs> all right. Is there anything that you would recommend that people from an herb standpoint have in their house uh peppermint okay 
like actual raw peppermint or like dried peppermint okay Mm -hmm. elderberry actually elderberry okay if elderberry is something that people should have in their houses in some form all right Mm -hmm. and what do you use elderberry for elderberry is excellent for stopping colds in their tracks and speeding up the duration of a cold okay Mm -hmm. so do you take it once you have a cold or do you take it when you're fine like on a regular basis just to ward off getting a cold Mm -hmm. you could take it on a regular basis but it's definitely going to be more useful when you feel yourself catching a cold when you've already caught a cold it really really speeds up the duration all right Mm -hmm. and you steep it in some tea or do you just eat it raw it's pretty good in a syrup so that's the most common way to do it how do you make a syrup out of it? You usually boil down the berries. Okay. And then you add honey and maybe a little brandy as a preservative. Mm-hmm. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right. So uh, you recently got married. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. And you were telling me that you all are going to do your honeymoon this summer. Yes. Where are you going? We're going to Italy. Okay. And where in Italy are you going? We're going to go to the mountains northwest in Curmayor. We're going to go take a little visit down in Turin, and we will spend a few days in Florence and Tuscany, and we'll probably spend a night in Venice before heading back to Milan and heading home. All right. Mm -hmm. And so Cormayor Mm -hmm. is literally right next to, well, very, very, very close to Switzerland and France. Yes. The border with both of those. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, what, in like an hour or something, you could get to Geneva. Mm-hmm. And you can also get to Lyon. Mm-hmm. All right. And you were saying there was a city that's kind of right in between the, those three cities. So there's a mountain and it's called Mont Blanc. Okay. And it it sits right in the middle of those three countries. All right. So a lot of people will run, circumnavigate Mont Blanc and be in three different countries. There's also a huge race called the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc at a Chamonix, and it circumnavigates Mont Blanc. And so how long is that uh, um, like distance-wise? I think it's about 120 miles. Whoa. And um, that's the whole race? Yeah. There are several races that are in that area, but one of the races that's a part of the series, the UTMB, is, I think, 100 miles or around that. All right. So I see Mont Blanc here. And wait, th- is this line the border? I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, you are right there. You're right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's literally in the northwest corner of Italy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you see, you go around this thing for 120 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I need to check that out now. While you all are there, you plan on scaling Mont, Mont Blanc? No, but I would like to run the trails in the area. All right. Mm-hmm. Are there any in particular? that have um caught your fancy i haven't looked yet i'm pretty excited though yeah (laughs) cool all right um and so you said you're gonna be going to venice yes uh venice is cool (laughs) but it's good that you're only gonna be there a day (laughs) yeah because that's pretty much i mean it's like a maze (laughs) the way the streets were were laid out (laughs) and kind of forced you to have to take the canal to really get to where you wanted to go to (laughs) um and definitely tuscany was really really cool cool i'm excited for that yes definitely Mm -hmm. um i would definitely suggest spending of the cities that you named spending probably the bulk of your time there okay and the food in florence is really good too okay cool 
what else did you say? You said there in Turin. I haven't been to Turin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was telling you before, you might want to stop over. I don't know what order you plan on doing those cities, but if you're going from Turin to Milan, mm-hmm. you might want to stop over in Como. Okay. Right by Lake Como. Yeah. It's where, uh, have you seen Ocean's 12? Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. So remember the guy who was the night fox? Uh, and he lived in some big house on the water. Huh. That's George Clooney's house. Uh, like in real life. Uh, and that's on Lake Como. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, but Como is really beautiful. Okay. All these little towns and hamlets, right? Are, that ring the lake and everything. Huh. All right. Oh, yeah. You were saying that um, you were originally planning on making it a ski trip mm-hmm. or a snowboard trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Um, you decided to do it over the summer. Mm-hmm. So you're a big snowboarder. Yes. Okay. So what are some of your favorite ski resorts in Let's Colorado? See. My neighborhood ski resort is Eldora. Eldora. Okay. And it's about a 20 minute drive. Oh, that's beautiful. For my house. So that's the most frequent one that we go to. It's a nice, small, little local mountain. Uh, but otherwise, I really like Copper okay. and oh, no. Winter Park. Uh, Vale is pretty awesome, super huge. Crested Butte okay. is my favorite, and the town of Crested Butte are just, it's a really special place. What makes it so great? It's really small, and you've got this really, really clear mountain vibe going on. Um, you can really sense the community when you're there of outdoorsy folks like you can tell everybody's got goggle tans in the spring (laughs) like everybody spends their days outside Mm -hmm. so when is the season roughly the snowboarding season starts mid-november and ends mid-april depending earlier mid depends on how much snow the resorts got there are some ski resorts that are known for staying really late so for example a basin is usually open till July. Wow. And then they open. Like, really high up. Yeah, and they're kind of tucked into a little range where they just get dumped with snow and they're able to stay open that late. And I always heard a, a Rapo Basin has a um, good powder. Really, really yeah. good powder. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you just snowboard solely. Do you ever do powder skiing or do you ever ski? No. I've skied a couple times. And you're just like, no, it's not for me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, do you, what do you think about Aspen? Yes, Aspen's pretty cool. I was in Aspen a couple weeks ago, actually. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember last time I went skiing, uh, we stayed at Snowmass. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. It's a great mountain. Uh, and I think I did a day at Aspen one day. Huh. And I remember just the, the, the slopes being a lot more steeper. Yeah. And <laughs> It was like really, really steep, but it was cool. <laughs> and I liked how uh, they had, um, there was a restaurant that was literally right on the hill. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a really good chicken noodle soup. <laughs> Kept me warm. <laughs> so Eldora is the one that you mostly go to. Yeah. And it, that's pretty much, tourists don't go there. Like it's just, Actually, tourists do go there quite a bit. Um, it's definitely grown in recent years. So is mm-hmm. there a secret resort that people that live around golden know about that pretty much tourists don't really go to and that's why y'all like it unfortunately not (laughs) yeah when would you recommend for people to actually go during the ski season like when is the best time yeah i would say late january 
early February, February, um, because you've got a few months behind you where the snowpack has been growing and growing. Okay. And it's just a month before spring, and also spring break is in March. Okay. And so all of March is usually spring break somewhere. Yeah. So it's pretty busy on the ski resorts. I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So is there a level of snowfall that happens in the mountains to where you're not excited? In the uh, sense of, I just remember it was like, oh, man, we're going to get like 12 <laughs> inches. People get excited because they're like, we can ski this yeah. new fresh powder. Mm-hmm. But is there like a level where it's just like, okay, I mean, we want powder. We want that much powder. <laughs> no, you can't have too much powder. <laughs> so if you get like three feet in a snowstorm, you're that, like, oh, yeah. That's exciting. I think the biggest problem is figuring out how to get out of the driveway so go. we can go skiing. <laughs> okay. What is the largest snowfall you've seen since living out there? Uh, We got... About four feet three years ago. In one storm? Yeah, it was a three-day storm, and, and my husband and, and I were stuck at our house for three days because our driveway is so terrible. The plow truck's chains kept on breaking when he'd go down the driveway, so he stopped coming. <laughs> wow. Uh, we eventually shoveled the driveway, which is four very, very feet. long. Yeah. So basically, you had like a eight-foot snowbank on the <laughs> side of your house. There were some big snowbanks. That's crazy. <laughs> and so I'm assuming you all have a fireplace? We actually have a pellet stove. Okay. Most houses in the mountains have fi- have wood-burning stoves, though. Okay. But a, a lot of them, it seems, are transitioning over to pellet stoves. I like wood-burning stoves, but we the house we got has a pellet stove. So where do you get the pellets from? Costco. Okay. <laughs> and they're just there. Well, I mean, they're that's just there, a, okay. sitting on pallets for us. And do you find it does a good job if to, of efficiently heating the house? It does a pretty good job. I would say a wood burning stove is more efficient. All right. Do you mm-hmm. do you have central heating though? Still? Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's like a backup, or it's a backup. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And do they have pellets that are scented? No. Okay. Uh-uh. It's just a single type of pellet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where, what type of wood are the pellets typically made up from? I don't know. I'm okay. not sure. But they look like, like pills, right? Yeah, they're like, yeah, like half inch little wooden block chunks. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, there's no way, that, like if you put an actual wood, a piece of wood in your pellet stove, would it break it? Yeah, it wouldn't work because you need the pellets to go down and then it, the stove senses that the pellets are sitting at the bottom and then they light on fire. Okay. So sticking wood in there wouldn't work. And also with the wood burning stove, you need a chimney and a pellet stove has it just a tiny little kind of outtake Okay. that goes outside the side of the house. So the pellet stove, you don't need a huge... The, the flu. Flu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just kind of elbows out to the back. Yeah. Whereas if, when you have a wood stove, it has to go through the roof, right? It doesn't have to go through the roof, but it's definitely much bigger piping. Okay. You need way more piping. All right. I, maybe that's why people are transitioning over to pellet stoves. but Easier installation? Yeah, maybe. The thing is, with pellet stoves, you need electricity. And being up in the mountains, we can lose power mm-hmm. at random times, like when we get three feet snowstorms and stuff like that so if the power goes out you don't have that backup source of heat whereas a wood running stove you do yeah mm -hmm. okay do our solar panels big out there yes okay do you have solar panels no okay what about a battery a home battery like generators a generator or like the tesla thing that they make oh where it's kind of 
you plug it into your panel, your electric panel. The idea is that you can store power in this home battery. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if the power ever goes out, you can run from that. Uh, we don't have one of those. I don't know how common they are. Okay. Yeah. But you do have a generator. No. Okay. We don't. When the power's out, the power's out. Wow. <laughs> we have a backup battery for the computer, but that's it. <laughs> okay. Gotta have a computer, though. <laughs> so how far are you from the nearest store? Uh, 22 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. This town of Golden, this is like in the mountains. Actually, so Golden is really huge. Really? And um, we're in the mountains and our address is Golden, but Golden actually touches Denver as well. So it stretches into the mountains and all the way to Denver almost. Okay, yeah, right there. So you're like at the foot of the mountain. So it's that's funny because that, that looks like it's Golden Golden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where I live is actually like to the west to the west a pine cliff pine cliff that's that's where I live okay and still my address is golden which is so funny yeah it's kind of like uh, Silver Spring it's really they just kind of decided we don't know what you are so we're just gonna name you golden <laughs> <laughs> so okay yeah yeah so you are closer to Boulder than you are to Denver yeah but the town of mm-hmm. golden proper mm-hmm. is basically a suburb of Denver yeah at like nine o'clock yeah it's like 15 minutes away yeah mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. cool how where is um Telluride Telluride is seven hours south seven hours wow and it's got really good skiing right yeah some really steep skiing oh steep yeah okay it's a steep mountain yeah. mm-hmm. have you ever gone to the film festival out there I haven't okay I would like to yeah me too <laughs> all right and how often do you go into Denver I go maybe once a month or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then just like for business or for just pleasure? Hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about Trail Fork. Mm-hmm. So we're a backpacking meal company based out of Boulder, Colorado. We're a year and a half old. I've been with the company about a year. And we put all of our backpacking meals into compostable packaging. So everything about the package is compostable, even the sticker. Uh, Because the packaging is compostable, you can't actually cook the meal in the bag because the packaging is just a little more sensitive. Can't put hot heat in there. Uh, But there are other great ways to rehydrate backpacking meals. Okay. Mm -hmm. What are some of the flavors that you have there? We have... An apricot almond couscous, coconut han masala, unwrapped burrito, peanut butter banana oats, paleoats, Thai peanut noodles, pizza casserole. Yeah, we have 11 meals total. Wow. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite? The limey beans and rice. Mm -hmm. And from your in-stores that you've done here in the D.C. metro area, which flavor did you see people gravitate towards the most? Well, I I sampled a different flavor every day. So I haven't really seen a trend yet. (laughs) Yeah. And were you just doing like one flavor? I was doing two per store. Okay. Mm -hmm. So which ones did you do here at the REI? This REI, I did unwrapped burrito. We did an unwrapped burrito. And a peanut butter banana oats. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
You ready for the seven questions? Sure. <laughs> What's it called, y'all? Question number one. Book to add to the library. Uh, Born to Run. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who wrote that? Chris McDougall. Okay. What's it about? It's about a group of ultra runners that goes down to Mexico and runs with the Tarahumara Indians. Oh, wow. So who are the Tarahumara Indians? They are native to Mexico, and they live in Copper Canyon, I believe, in Mexico. Um, And they are just known for running long distances through the canyons. And their thing is they run in sandals, and now these sandals are super hip in the running world, and everybody's running in sandals. And (laughs) were they running in those sandals from a functional for a functional purpose Mm -hmm. so what what's functional about these sandals that they run in um they're made out of old tires oh wow so the cushioning i think is pretty durable okay um and then the way that they're structured they just fit really snug on your foot and they kind of they really uh, promote proper barefoot running form or proper running form okay because you're almost running barefoot and so is there so you're saying in the time since this book came out, there's an American company that makes these type of sandals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are the ones that they make in Mexico, are those like the super couture, like super expensive and the the ones that they make in, in America are kind of like, uh, it's like, it's not the real thing. Man. No, it's the opposite. They're really expensive here. Wow. Because they're making them out of Vibram soles and using really good stitching to make them super durable. And then in in Mexico, I think they're just make they're just gathering snow, uh, old tires and okay making sandals out of them. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Number two podcast to subscribe to. Um, Planet Money. Oh, good choice. Mm-hmm. Why Planet Money? I love learning just weird, random things about the world. <laughs> cool. Number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. Uh, Immersion Blender. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is that? It's it's like a stick blender. Okay. Uh, but it's completely straight. Okay. And it's um it just blends things up super efficiently. Okay. And I can make my own mayonnaise at home and I have never had a mayonnaise break at all. Like the immersion blender whips up a mayonnaise in 20 seconds, so I don't have to buy mayonnaise anymore. That's smart. <laughs> so uh, mayonnaise, I believe, is just oil and oil eggs little bit of mustard, some vinegar, or lemon juice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And equal parts of each? You just... No, there's um, mostly oil. Mostly oil, an egg yolk, and then a very small amount of the acid, and then the mustard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Immersion blender. I like it. <laughs> All right. Number four, bucket list place to travel. Place in the world that you have been to. That I have been to. to the listeners to hmm. go to. Uh, Guatemala. Okay. Why Guatemala. It's a really, really colorful, beautiful country. All right. When'd you mm-hmm. go? Um, I've been many times. My family is from there. Okay. But 
uh, I think the last time I was there was maybe four or five years ago, and I'm going again in a couple months. Wow, all right. <laughs> Traveler, I like it. Is there a city in, partic- in particular you'd recommend? Um, Antigua. Antigua. Mm-hmm. Is that on the coast? No. Okay. Where in this? Where in the country is this guy? Let's see, Antigua. It's pretty close to Guatemala City. Yeah, it is close to. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it's like just west at about eight thirty, and it's, it's closer to the Pacific side of the country than the um, I guess the the, the Gulf of Mexico side. All right, what about that city? Makes it what's it makes it awesome to check out. Well, what's nice is it's really tourist friendly. Okay. Uh, there's just a lot of travelers in the area. And it's a really great landing point to then disperse and go visit so many different places. All right. Within Guatemala? Or within, within Guatemala. Central like Central. you can catch a bus from there to anywhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. All right. Are there any other languages you're fluent in? I'm only fluent in Spanish. I've tried to learn many other languages, but have never gotten it to stick. <laughs> All right. Number five, 50 Mile Detour Restaurant. Um, there's this restaurant in Portland. Oregon that when I was in Portland, Oregon a couple of years ago, I just kept on going back to, even though I know there were just like thousands of other restaurants to try and it's called Teote and I would definitely go there again. (laughs) How do you spell it? T-E-O-T-E. And what type of cuisine? It was Venezuelan. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they have good arepas? Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. Is there a dish that you would recommend? Um, any of their bowls. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Number six, your number one skill. Oh. This is your number one honed Oof. craft, something that you've worked at. Being organized. <laughs> okay. And from the two days that you, or sorry, the three days that you've been here, I can attest that she's telling the truth because <laughs> as soon as she arrived, she had a... Uh, 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 a box of all her products she was <laughs> out there organizing it and making sure everything was okay I'm gonna use this one this day this one this day it's like, hey, she's on it so that's a good trait to have all right last certainly not least number seven your number one talent hmm. this is your uh number one this is your innate proficiency something that you didn't have to work at you just hmm. have been able to do it i can sing <laughs> okay you want to you hit a little tune for us <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So, do you, you sing the uh, the song? Uh, what is that? Uh, yeah. You go down smooth a lot. Usually about that. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Do you do you actually? I mean, go to karaoke nights a lot or anything? Or um, I used to go to a lot of bluegrass picks. Okay. And would get up and play an instrument, and then eventually I'd wasn't really into practicing the instrument so i would just sing so now when i go to bluegrass picks i kind of just sing (laughs) so what instruments have you tried your hand at uh guitar banjo upright bass violin ukulele chirongo what's a chirongo the chirongo is this uh it's like a little ukulele um and I think traditionally, so it's from South America. And traditionally, it was made from the back of an armadillo. But now they just use wood to make 
these little things. Um, but they're a little bit smaller than a ukulele, and they have two strings per note. Wow. And there's six different notes. So there's 12 strings on a charango. Oh, wow. So why do they have two? Is it for the octave? Um, I think the octave... Um, actually, I'm not quite sure if it's the octave, but the sound, the style of a charango, um, the two, having the two strings ring at the same time is really unique to South American folk music. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are the two strings that are the same note, are they cl- closer space-wise mm-hmm. than the other one? Like, so I guess if you look at all 12 strings, are they equally spaced or are the the two no- two strings for each note closer than to each other then mm-hmm. I, th- I think the two strings are closer okay yeah mm-hmm. for each note all right you got any social media or anything you want to plug uh <laughs> okay nah. what about trail fork what's their website uh my and do they have any social media yeah uh they are in instagram as my trail fork Adriana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another episode of Guestbook Podcast. I am, of course, the illustrious and keep it ready. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. <laughs>